Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Glenn Maxwell has done it again. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast. My name is Josh Shonafinger. I'm joined by Louis Cameron. We we're very, very lucky to be here in Mumbai tonight to witness one of the greatest, if not the greatest, ODI innings of all time. Uh, Louis, what did you make of that? I think we can call it the greatest ODI innings of all time. We were kind of recategorizing it very quickly as we were going, weren't we? Like we were trying to figure out, you know, is it the, the best innings in a losing chase? Um, that quickly became the case that, you know, we just thought there was no chance. And even even as the runs came from 70 down to 60, down to 40, down to 30 in really quick time, we just thought, no, there's no way they could do this. Or there's no way Maxwell could do it with the state his body was in, uh, let alone when they needed 150 off, you know, as many balls at the time. It was, <laughs> it was bonkers. Like... Uh, the, the one bit, like I think I've told a couple of people this, but my partner was here. Uh, she's come to her first ever one-day international. She's been to a couple of, you know, big bash games. I think she might have come to the Boxing Day test once uh, and she only came for the second innings. And she's just <laughs> like, I reckon she's going to go home, just go like, how, why do we go to ODI cricket all the time? You get to see that. Uh, just crazy stuff. Well, I Amber, she might be the good luck charm for Australia. <laughs> I'm sure you've already seen the scorecard if you're listening to this podcast and you've probably seen the highlights on cricket.com.au, but we'll run you through it anyway. Afghanistan won the toss and chose to bat first and were very responsible with their innings. They didn't try too much. There weren't too many thrills. There wasn't too much excitement, it must be said. But Ibrahim Zadran got 129 not out, batting through the entire innings as they finished with 291 from 50 overs, which we thought was all going to be a pretty good score in the end. And it looked to be the case when Australia fell to 7 for 91, if you can believe that. Naveen Al-Haq, Asmatullah Omazai and Rashid Khan all got two wickets and Australia's chase was in dire straits. That's when Glenn Maxwell combined with Pat Cummins in one of the most remarkable partnerships, not just the innings, but the partnership was remarkable as well, of over 200 runs, a world record for the eighth wicket in ODIs. Glenn Maxwell finished with 201, not out of 128 balls. We've got plenty more stats on Maxi to come and Pat Cummins was a very good partner in crime with 12 not out from 68 and he spoke to press after the match about what was an incredible innings and why don't we let Pat sum it up first? Yeah, we're just chatting about it off, you know, all the players and we're just like, it's one of those days where you just go, I was there in the stadium the day Glenn Maxwell chased down that total by himself. It's just a one-man show. <laughs> um, it's just like, it looks so easy. Um, you know, I'm up the other end and I don't see any gaps in the field. I don't see where I'm going to score a boundary and then it seems like every time he hits his bat, he just runs away for four. Um, it's just... Yeah, I mean, he still can't move and still manages to hit a six over third man with a reverse lap. Um, just, he's a freak. He, he hits into different areas. Again, it makes it look so easy. Um, and when you're up against something like that as a bowler, you just, you don't have many options. So it's it's such a weird way of putting it. So 
he's become the first Australian double century maker. There's only ever been three double centuries at a World Cup. That's in men's cricket there is because Belinda Clark, I believe, has done it in women's cricket. But the first 100 is almost like he made 100 off 76 balls and we're kind of sitting up here and going, yeah, cool, you know, good 100. But in the scheme of things, Afghanistan's going to win this game. You know, great 100, but it's a footnote to what the bigger story is, which was Afghanistan should have had this amazing win over Australia. It would have been their first ever in any format uh, and it would have basically put them on the verge of World Cup semifinals. Um, so don't let this, I mean, it does take away from what's been an amazing story. But so that was kind of where we thought the game was at when he got his first hundred. Which he didn't celebrate, did he? He, he just raised the bat and as if nothing was sort of happening. Exactly. So he felt like it was a consolation kind of thing. And this is when the cramps started to kick in and his body slowly but surely just gave up on him and said, there is no chance that I'm going to be batting for much longer. And when we saw that, we're like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's he, he might get a few. He might be able to uh, whack a couple more boundaries. Uh, and he did. He whacked uh, – who was it? He got Naveen Al-Huck. Uh, so the first couple that he got when he was just standing still, just swinging with no footwork at all, was that one down to fine leg off Naveen. We're going, oh, what an amazing shot. You know, he's used the pace of the ball really clever. Uh, and then he hit one straight. And we're like, how's he done that? Like – he must have done it. He must have hit about ten or twelve or fifteen. I lost count of those boundaries where yeah. he's not moving his feet at all. His cram- his body is completely giving up on him. Probably the best person who can describe it is Glenn himself, who we got the the very you know fortunate chance to speak to. Given he he actually <laughs> before we throw to him, he didn't do the main press conference because he couldn't walk from one side of the field to the other. That's that's how bad a shape he was in. Uh, but we did get the chance to speak to him. This is what he had to say about what he was going through. I was thinking, well, that's that's the end of our running. Um, but yeah, it was, it was it was a strange one because I was cramping in my, one of my toes, which was sort of going up the front of my shin. And then as I sort of set off to try and get down the other end, I cramped in my that calf as well. So I was cramping both sides of my lower leg. And as I went, oh, no, I'm cramping, I cramped in my left hamstring at the same time. So I was like, I've got both legs and then I had a back spasm when I hit the ground. <laughs> so I was just like full body, just in pain. But um, once I sort of calmed my breathing down and had the physio out there and sort of talked me through it, um, what it was going to be like and had one person pushing my foot, one person lifting my leg. It was a strange... I've never been in a position where I've had full body cramps like that and I sort of felt it coming on um, a few hours before that and was just hoping that I could sort of get through. And uh, once we once we stayed at um, the same end for a couple of overs, I felt like I was starting to get a little bit of movement back, but um, it actually probably made the whole job a little bit more simple. I wasn't sort of um, overthinking the situation. I just knew if I got a ball that I could hit, I'd try and hit it. So it's hard to summarise that incredible innings, but he had to actually walk out on a hat-trick ball. Um, which I forgot, I forgot that, yeah. And he nearly got out, didn't he? He nearly got yeah. out on his very first ball. Uh, Afghanistan reviewed it. Luckily, there was a thick edge mm. uh, that uh, Maxwell got. It didn't carry to the keeper either, which was the other baffling uh, one of that delivery. But it was quickly forgotten because he got to his 50 or 51 balls. His next 50 took only 25 balls. His following 50 took 25 balls again. And then his fourth 50 took 27 balls. So he actually slowed down. But there were a lot of dot balls because he couldn't take singles. He couldn't run twos. He was relying solely on boundaries at that point. So there were a few dots, but uh, the run rate was never out of hand and uh, they got there with 19 balls to spare in the end. Well, you say it was quickly forgotten, but let's not forget that he had this run of uh, 
three chances in 12 balls where the first one he skied this catch he tried to hit Rashid Khan you know taking a risk off Rashid Khan early which he didn't do too much when he was really going uh and Hashmat and Rashid both looked like they were going to go for it there was a bit of hesitation Hashmat eventually got a hand on it dropped the catch kind of like well that's a tough chance then he hit one yeah, and then the LBW that uh, it was Noor Ahmed bowling his left arm tweakers and it smacked Maxwell in the pad. It was given out immediately um, but almost in a sense of desperation uh, they had to take the review because Pat Cummins was already at the other end so sort of their last chance saloon. And, and he thought he was out, didn't he? Like he just told us. He thought, no, oh, it's hit me in the front of the pad. You know, it's not bouncing over on this pitch. Lo and behold, it was bouncing over. A like- green light. We, we all thought umpires call it the very worst. But somehow, somehow, and our colleague Bharat Sundarason has been telling us how much bounce this Mumbai pitch has. Well, we didn't see a lot of it today, but ball tracking definitely thought it was there for that one. 100%. But, you know, how often does a batter think they're out and then it shows the opposite rather yeah. than the other way around? Anyway, so he's overcome all this and, and gotten to his 100 and then starts getting the cramps, and the physio is basically out there every ball. And you could—I was watching through the binoculars. He was on the walkie-talkie. Mm. He was kind of down at the dugout. So if you're watching on TV, you would have seen there's a, a nice little race, not quite as big as a Medabad, but um, quite a lot of steps that go up to the changing rooms. And that's kind of where the coaches were, were watching from. And I reckon they're going to Nick, going like, you know, what what on earth is this Nick, is Nick, Nick Jones, the physio? The physio. Yeah. yeah, we're on first name basis. <laughs> okay, good on you. <laughs> and they're going to to Jonesy, my mate Jonesy. Yeah. Um, you know, what the hell is going on? Like, you know, can can you get him through? What can you do? What pickle juice have you got in the, in the bag? Have you got some super-sized pickle juice or something to give to him? And he's running out there every ball to the point where the umpires are basically telling him to get off the ground. And he's mm. a very uh, – he's a West Australian, Nick Jones, and I think he's one of the most interesting um, figures in this whole kind of thing tonight. Um, you know, he's, you know, by the book, you know, physios are, yep, you know, gotta follow, follow the, the rules, rules yeah. and stuff. So they're the last people who would be, you know, trying to um, annoy authority figures. And there was Michael Goff, you know, basically saying, mate, you need to get off the ground. You can't be coming out every every over. They did let him back over at one point when Maxwell again went down like he'd been shot. And that was a, the point mm. where I think we all thought he was done. Like he was flat out on the ground. Well, yeah, we need to talk about that because that was the most violent of all the spasms he had. Like obviously there were a few times where he was doubled over and trying to stretch his legs mm. or his back or all different parts of his body. But for that one, when he attempted a single that wasn't really even a quick single, but he just had to gather a bit of pace, mm. everything sort of twanged at the same time, didn't it? And he went down and he was rolling around and then when he hit the ground, as he said, it, it just got worse and worse and we, we were all in shock. I mean, we didn't know what had happened. Yeah, and he's running between the wickets like Pingu at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like his, his legs are super straight and he, he knows if he straightens his knees that basically everything is going to go back into this full body spasm. I mean, you heard before that he was cramping in his toes. Uh, and But this kind of just made him almost more dangerous and mm. it, it almost steeled his mind. Uh, so he, one of the drills that you see a lot of batters do, or certainly I've, and it's kind of filtered down to club level, which I've seen guys do, is this kind of drill that AB de Villiers does where you just plant your feet and someone might, might bowl to you or, at, you know, not full pace, mm-hmm. but or throw balls and you'll just kind of practice hitting the ball without moving your feet at all. So it's a bit like, you know, it's a bit of weight transfer. It's a bit of just getting yep. the feel of your hands. Okay. Uh, and guys do it to warm up to get used to, um, I don't know why they do it, to be honest. Batters are a, a weird bunch. But he was basically doing that in a World Cup match, you know, a, a, a really high-stakes World Cup match. 
Uh, and it steeled his mind, as I said. So 78 runs came off his last 33 deliveries. He was absolutely in no mm. shape to be hitting any of those. And then when he finished it, so they bowl out the two most dangerous bowlers. So Rashid Khan, two for 44. He was very dangerous early. They stopped taking risks against him. Uh, and they kept they were taking a lot more risks against Noor Ahmed, who I thought bowled beautifully. Uh, he took finished with none 53 in the end. Um, and Maxwell kind of went after him. He was like, well, he's the youngest member of this attack. He's the guy I can get after. Uh, but they bowled those two out and had to go back to Majib. And then for the over that it finished in, it was a dot, six, six, four, another six. And that brought up his double century and the win. Like, just we're going to be watching this back on, you know, on, I was going to say DVD, whatever format, <laughs> hologram, you know, in, in 20, 30, 40 years' time. I don't think that'll ever be topped. Well, that's right. And I'm looking at that scorecard now that you've brought up. And I reckon at one point, Australia needed about 46 to win, and Maxwell needed about 44 for his double hundred. And yeah, he got there right in time, didn't he? It was absolutely fantastic. I do want to touch on the bowlers from mm. Afghanistan because they were excellent early and mm. obviously had Australia in a lot of, lot of trouble. We thought leading into the game that Afghanistan's spinners were going to be the big threat, but it was actually their quicks. Um, Naveen Al-Haq, who we saw at the Sydney Sixers, and Azmat Omazai, who were both getting prodigious swing out there tonight and uh, had the top order in a lot of trouble. It was very similar to the match we saw in Lucknow against South Africa where ball did really nothing in the first innings and then when the lights came on started zipping around so it's going to be interesting for Australia if they do have to bat second in the final series or the semi-finals how they combat that because it could very well happen again to them I really agree with that and I think Maxwell's innings probably papers over a yeah. few of the issues that we have seen just emerge I mean it's not easy kind of doing um, you know batting uh, under lights when the ball is zipping around like that um, but we saw it with Matushanka, uh, you know, the tournament's leading wicket taker. Um, he got Australia in some trouble with new ball with some really good swing. And you're right, Naveen and Asmatullah um, were just fantastic early. Uh, Naveen kind of got into a bit of a scrap with Mitch Marsh and Marsh <laughs> didn't look all that happy when he was walking off the field, you know, a bit of bat waving and uh, and stuff like that. And then, you know, when they got Warner uh, and Inglis in consecutive deliveries, um, that was when you really felt, all right, we're in for a turn up here. Uh, four for 49 Australia were soon to be seven for 91 when Rashid Khan got going and he mm. was just magical. He bowled really well, didn't he? Especially those first three or four overs. Um, but kind of once they got through that part of it, um, you know, they didn't have to take as many risks. Well, you know, they decided not to take as many risks off him and, and went after the younger Noor. Uh, Mohamed Nabi came on to bowl his right arm off spin, which they held back for a long time because they were bowling to Maxwell. They knew he was a good, mm. uh, he was a bad matchup for Afghanistan against Maxwell. Um, and I mean, the tactics of it were just fantastic from, from the way uh, Australia batted. Great batting tactics all day, I thought. Like if we can kind of somehow- well, Better you know, touch on Afghanistan's innings, I suppose. Yeah, I know. It's kind of weird that, you know, Basically, the first 44 overs of the game feel like a distant memory and almost <laughs> like a completely different one day completely. But if you want to draw a bit of a, um, a bow between the two innings, it's the batting tactics. So Ibrahim Zadran, this is the first time we're mentioning him despite him becoming Afghanistan's first ever uh, century maker at a World Cup, 129 not out of 143 balls. But we were kind of all saying as he was getting closer to his 100, well, he's kind of, you know, maybe he's batting selfishly. Maybe that century, you know, means too much to him. We saw him... Uh, the, the chat with Sachin Tendulkar on the um, the eve of the game was a really big deal for him and uh, he spoke to the ICC a little bit about how um, touching that was and how it really motivated him for it. Uh, but he's you know got a century in, in Mumbai but he 
it just looked like they were running out of steam towards the end of the innings and they might only get 240, 250. They ended up hitting 75 off the last six overs. And I think Australia, you know, maybe muddled some of their bowlers around a little bit. Josh Hazelwood only bowled eight overs when he was their best bowler and, you know, really should have bowled his full complement. Mitch Stark had a bit of an off day. Uh, and that man, Rashid Khan, hit three sixes there at the end, 35 off 18 to get him to, you know, what should have been a, a total um, that was unchaseable, but it wasn't. <laughs> it's going to be a real shame now because I feel like Afghanistan deserve a semi-final spot, but they're going to need to defeat South Africa in their final match to do so, which is in Ahmedabad in a couple of days' time. So, I mean, it's been a cracking tournament for them. They've certainly um, made lots of fans from what they've done this tournament. They've It's been a coming of age for them as a cricketing nation, hasn't it, in this particular World Cup with four wins under their belt already. So we probably won't be seeing them in the semifinals, but a great tournament for Afghanistan all the same. So just taking in those World Cup standings now, so Australia are in at third. Uh, they will definitely finish third, yeah. won't they? Yeah, because they're four points ahead of New Zealand, Pakistan and Afghanistan who are all on eight points. So that's two wins behind. So they can't be toppled out of third spot. So they will play South Africa in the semifinal. Is that right? Yeah, so South Africa can't drop. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Out of all the things tonight that I didn't quite realise until <laughs> now, that's um, that's uh, quite interesting. And so that semi-final Australia-South Africa will be in Kolkata because India will play in Mumbai no matter what, unless, not no matter what, unless Pakistan <laughs> finish fourth uh, and then they can't play the India-Pakistan game in this city uh, for reasons that we don't need to go into here. Um, but, you know, New Zealand is still a chance of making it and Afghanistan, yep. Uh, mathematically, but they've got a lot of net run rate uh, to make up. We've touched on plenty of great moments today, Josh, but do you have a particular moment as your moment of the day that stands out? Well, yeah, so many sixes to choose from. Glenn Maxwell hit 10 just by himself. And there is one that actually stands out for me. It was at that stage of his innings where he couldn't move his feet. So it's as if he had the cement shoes on. Mm. They were just locked into position. The bowler was Azmat. He steamed in and it was a full ball outside off and he's managed to reverse... Lap it. Is that the right terminology? Yeah, I'd say that's over right. Over yeah. short third man, over the boundary, into the crowd. One of those shots that just make you go, what the hell have I just seen? <laughs> like, that, that's unworldly good. So uh, do check out the highlights if you haven't seen it because that was – I'm speechless. S yeah. Seriously, that might be the greatest ODI innings of yeah. all time. Oh, easily the greatest ODI innings. Maybe one of the, the better shots of all time. And, yeah, watch the highlights because, you know, you could pick out, you know, five, six or – nine of any of those shots to uh, to take as your moment of the day. So on to Bangladesh on Saturday, just down the road in Pune, just a two, three, four-hour drive, depending on the traffic, of course. You never know what it's going to be like in India. Uh, so nice and close. You normally have to fly between the venues in India, so this is a nice little one for Australia. They'll be hoping, I guess, maybe that Pakistan somehow sneak into that fourth spot and then could just pop back down the highway <laughs> to finish the tournament or, sorry, not to finish the tournament in, in their eyes uh, but to um to have their semi-final in mumbai but most likely pune then kolkata uh, and then they hope Ahmedabad. it's time for us to get our thoughts together so thanks for joining us on this episode of the unplayable podcast what a cracker and we'll catch you after pune
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.